welcome in everyone sorry about that quick intro it's uh things are still shifting and changing over my way so expect to see some changes with the show next week for sure but welcome in mark greg rj bullish brahma so nice to have you all tonight uh let's talk a little dispersal draft and afterwards uh RJ, we're going to talk a little bit more about you and your show and kind of what you do and, and your realm of things. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. How are you all doing tonight? Great. Thanks, Matthew. Doing well, thank you. Yeah, peachy. Thanks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate it again. Let's try not to make this two and a half hours. <laughs> That's my goal here. Agreed. <laughs> all right. So we're going to jump right into it. Anything you guys want to add, anything I may get wrong, anything that you know, any details, please, please speak your mind, tell us what's going on, and then your perspective on things, all right? Tonight, we're going to discuss the US UFL dispersal draft. We'll talk about phase one, tell a little bit more about phase two, and then we'll close it out with Mark and Greg and hop back on to RJ. Sounds good. All right. So, you guys all saw the news yesterday, UFL dispersal draft. Mini draft is what they consider. Mm -hmm. um, the mini, you know, it's it, it, what they get 42 players total on each team, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it, it's somewhat confusing with the, the phases and the minis and the supers, but we're going to try to discuss a little more and, and get down to it. Um, so they got 42, uh, what they considered unprotected or protected players on this? 42 protected. Understood. So with the mini draft, <clears throat> that's taking place. January 15th, we should be looking at the super draft, which consists of each team picking up 20 unprotected players. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I don't remember what the number is exactly um, of <clears throat> how many players. I know it was 20 for the mini dispersal draft. Uh, I'm not sure. It, it was, yeah. The final roster size going to the training camp is 75, so somehow they're going to get there. Gotcha. So you figure 42 protected, and you add in, and teams drafted anywhere from, I think, about 9 to 20 yeah. in the mini dispersal draft. So you can see how each team is has a different philosophy on how to use this draft. Uh, some perhaps waiting for the super dispersal draft to pick up more players. And you also have to remember that there is this was kind of buried in the press release that the ex. Uh, but I'm going to have to have a jar, a swear I'm jar. I'm the same way. I'm going to be okay. doing that forever. Um, <laughs> the UFL uh, press release that was put out, um, and I have it right here. It notes free agency for players who were not selected or did not play in the USFL or XFL in 2023 will continue on January 16th. So it sounds like. Any players who were not selected in either dispersal draft and any player who's just simply a free agent, uh, free agency starts January 16th, which is the day after the super dispersal draft. At that point, teams can start adding more players to their roster to get up to that training camp limit. So it does sound like based on that line in the release and I know we had speculated, are they going to do another draft, a supplemental draft closer to training camp where uh, they take all of the players who maybe uh, ended the season on NFL practice squads, but who did not sign futures contracts? Would all those players and more be put into sort of a supplemental draft? Those guys who maybe 
were not available to teams in these dispersal drafts, would they go into a supplemental draft closer to training camp to fill out those training camp rosters? It sounds like that's a no. It sounds like it's just going to be kind of free agency. Um, because if you're doing free agency, I don't know how you do a draft later on because who's going to be eligible for that draft? Anybody who you would imagine would be eligible is being signed in free agency. So that was, I think, somewhat of an overlooked aspect of that press release that came out yesterday, uh, of that uh, free agency kicking off January 16th after the two dispersal drafts. Gotcha. So so things are going to be shifting a lot. We're going to be looking at a lot of changes from what we already see now. Uh, pulled up, I have the list of, of the US, UFL, look, I did it myself, <laughs> UFL team rosters. And I mean, we have a lot of names on this list and a lot of known names, whether you're a USFL fan or an XFL fan. And there's a lot of guys on here that we all know and love. Um, I had I, I had a really good time looking at this list and really trying to break it down. But man, there is so much going on here between players and teams and coordinations of coaches. I mean, it it's a lot, but... Hopefully today we'll try to get a little bit clear on it. What I've done coming in is I've picked basically three highlight players from each team. Now, don't get me wrong. There's more than three in each team for sure. Most of these guys are studs that I'm looking at. But I just wanted to get a few talking points and really hit on a, a few guys that were very crucial for offensive defense on each team. Um, did you guys have a chance to look at the list I sent you? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So I'm just basically going to bring that list up, talk about it some more. You guys can add to it as you as you feel needed. I mean, it, like I said, bring anything you want. If you got some more guys you want to talk about, anything I missed, please please bring it up. Uh, and then, like right here, I have a little slide, and so we're just going to kick it off with the slides first, okay? <clears throat> so we know who that is, right? <laughs> Jamar Smith. He's a former Stallions quarterback. He's still with the Stallions. He's a two-times XFL, I'm sorry, USFL champion. Lord have mercy. I'm going to have to thanks for that. Uh, he was injured early in the 2023 USFL season, so he didn't play much last year, uh, but they still had a phenomenal season uh, the Stallions' way. He had 131 completions with 1,576 yards in the 2022 USFL season, so 1,576 yards on 131 completions in 2022 i mean this kid's looking to be a stud i'm i'm excited about it i'm looking forward to this team they should be some heavy hitters in my opinion what do you guys think about it i think that <clears throat> i think that the the new ufl is flush with good players there's tons of them no doubt i think that's what you're going to see here is there's like you know where are the where do all these great players fit in and this is a good example, isn't it? No, yep, yep. And a big name amongst the USFL side of things. Mm -hmm. Very, very liked. Uh, he can definitely lead a team, in my opinion, as long as he's injury-free. And, and Birmingham is very lucky because their quarterback last year, uh, Alex Magoo, is now in the NFL. So they have a player with starting experience and Jamar Smith ready to step into that void. So, uh, you know, Birmingham is a team two-time USFL champions, uh, head and shoulders seemingly above the rest of the teams in the last couple of years in the USFL. Now things get a little more interesting, right? Because now I think the gap closes a little bit with the combination of the XFL and the USFL. I think the floor 
teams, the floor rises a little bit, right? Because the teams that were good are getting better because they're replacing um, decent players with really good ones from the teams that are no longer part of this league. Mm-hmm. Whereas Birmingham, they already had good players. So they're picking good players back, but they're replacing good with good. So yep. I think the floor sort of rises, and it'll be interesting to see if Birmingham can dominate the same way that they did over the last few years. And now that the teams around them have gotten even better. So yeah, so more, parity, more parity, maybe. Um, as you know, as if it was if we needed more parity, we're going to get more parity between the teams. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if we see a one in nine team in this league, like we saw with the Orlando Guardians. Right. So let's let's talk about the Orlando Guardians. So what happened to all their coaching staff? Um, they've been uh, they've They're been gone. sent away to a to a deserted island. I think <laughs> we've, we've not yeah, heard hide or hair of them. It's like they had to go to that island on Survivor, where if you're bad, you have to go there for a while. <laughs> you don't get to play. Um, so, so I think that's a, another way the floor has been raised is, well, maybe because <clears throat> that was a headline when the XFL 2023 started was how many first time head coaches do we have in this league? And that, we talked about that and we it was bantered around the results of the 2023 XFL season showed that there was some. Yeah, well, for the for not always, but for the most part, that was some of those head coaches were an experiment that didn't work. Uh, with the exception of the St. Louis Battlehawks, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Who's the head coach actually succeeded, did very well. And he was a first year head coach, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I'm so uh but the Orlando head coach, Terrell Buckley, I guess I don't know where he he'll show up somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> I hope he shows up somewhere. If he doesn't, we need to put some missing posters. Yeah, there. yeah, that's not like, yeah, that's, that's that's not exactly what I'm saying. But yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe he's an assistant coach somewhere in the league. Yeah. I don't know. Does he? He's, he's got a contractor. I don't know what his contract's like. I have no idea. Yeah, it. I'll be. It'll be nice in the next couple of months for the dust to settle and really be able to check everything out. It's been yeah. so crazy this month, man. Last month right. we've got so many leaks and drops and this and that and so when everything settles i'm curious don't you think the the ufl is is struggling right now because they have they're trying to play catch up and they're marketing this thing now they've been in the nfl games last weekend they were pumping out ufl this and ufl that which is great to see but they're only what the less than three months to go now of course you know two and a half months let's say wow and then they're just finally putting their teams together now, and they're not even done. It's and it's crazy. And then the other thing about what they're doing is they, you notice that they didn't say anything about the picks. They say we're not we're not going to release the picks until Monday. So all last weekend it was all on social. It was this player's gone here, and this player's been picked here, and this it was all and all those rumors came true as far as I can tell, and none of them were false. Mm-hmm. It was all real, and uh, some of them. And then on Monday, the ex, oh, I did. UFL goes. <laughs> Guess what? We gotten everybody. The draft. Here's all the players, and then there was this orgasm of social media. Boom, boom. Like I guess they were working on that all weekend too. And of course, and then we heard about at least one player that said, "I had never volunteered to be in this league." I didn't <laughs> know. <laughs> and of course, 
Yeah, but I mean, they had to call all these players. They probably tried calling. I won't even mention his name just for the. I mean, I was going to bring it up as well, so it's okay. They, We've kind of flipped them. the script a little bit, and that's all right. But yeah, I mean, it was them and it, but they maybe couldn't get a hold of them. Maybe you know, you don't answer your phone on the weekend. Maybe it, oh, unknown well, number. Yeah, forget it. That tweet has since been deleted. You can't. Yeah. It's not on there yeah. anymore. Yeah. And he's all for the teams now. If you look at his Twitter. <laughs> He's all for it. He's ready to roll. Some, somebody somebody talked to him and said, hey, guy, you know, you got to be positive <laughs> if you want to work in this league or work in football. But anyways, it's just, it's just been a like I, I used the word. It was like a, a massive rush of announcements. It's like mm-hmm. like they trying to catch up. It's I, Of course they are. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder because, you know, like for San Antonio, we had 18 Roughnecks players sign and it kind of makes you wonder if all this was not planned in advance like how can one team draft so many players from one single team without any type of like pre-planning like was this already orchestrated way in advance and then this is just the results of what was planned weeks ago I think it's just the byproduct of the Houston coaching staff moving to to San Antonio. And they had a very specific system, especially offensively, the run and shoot. And San Antonio's offense, I mean, you look at what San Antonio did last year. I mean, it was bruising running backs. It was huge tight ends. uh, It was big wide receivers. And that's just not the run and shoot offense. So you have to completely revamp your offensive side of the ball to bring that system in. And we, we heard reports that AJ Smith, the Houston offensive coordinator was coming with Wade uh, Phillips to San Antonio, although the rest of the coaching staffs have not been released yet. So it really was needed. And, and I mean, San Antonio wasn't the only team to draft players from Houston. We saw uh, DC pick up two of Houston's best defenders and uh, Tim Ward and Trent Harris. So uh, certainly, you know, the, the Houston Roughnecks 2023 team was, was available for everybody and everybody took a piece of them, but Mm -hmm. it made sense that San Antonio took more of the piece because their coaching staff came over and uh, certainly the, the offensive system that they run required certain players of which San Antonio did not have. I think I looked through San Antonio's 42 protections and I think they only kept 18 or 19 players who actually played for the Brahmas last year. The rest were letter of intent signings, uh, rookie draft picks who were right. taken yeah, and things 13. like that. So right. they did not keep many ac- actual Brahma's players who played in the league last year, even among the 42 that were protected. Right. Correct. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. You know, it, it's it, to be honest with you, when I saw Max Borgie go over to the Battle Hawks. That was kind of riding on the wall that most of that Houston team would be gone. Well, I, and I do wonder if there are regrets now because we saw that Houston released a bunch of players, including Max Borgie, and thinking that, look, we're not going to be in the league next year. The coaching staff's not going to have a place. Let's just release these players before they get an opportunity to get drafted. And now, oops, the coaching staff is going over to San Antonio, and I bet A.J. Smith would love to have had Max Borgie oh. and had the opportunity to draft him, but instead he was claimed by St. Louis. So... Uh, there, there might be some um, seller's remorse on that one for some of the Houston mm-hmm. slash San Antonio yeah. coaching staff. You know, something something untoward happened there when they released all those players. They 
they there should really... have been a, there should have been a freeze on the roster. They, they should not yeah. have been allowed been. to. And I was to told by I was told by a, a relative of a, one of the players that was released that they were told that if they released got released now there would be a chance they could be picked up by another XFL team prior to because they they had no hopes of the at that point of the Roughnecks itself continuing not knowing the, about what was what the the change that was going to occur so those players all got released uh, there was i think there was about 10 or 12 10 or 11 now when they came time to uh, for the dispersal draft one of those players was picked up by the dc defenders now the name uh, i have the name on my fingertips here but the player that that i was talking to or their, their relative basically his father <laughs> told me that he was told that he would not be eligible for the dispersal draft because he had been released. Mm -hmm. So he did not get picked and none of those players got picked, but one did. And I responded back and I said, well, one did. <laughs> so there's a little bit of confusion in what happened with there with the roughnecks. I think they made a mistake by doing that. That's what I think. Yeah. So my, my question is this, and you guys may not know the answer, but with, so say your guy, like you're talking about, Mark, we come yeah. January 16th. Can he be picked back up as a free agent? I as mean, a free agent. Yeah. But not, okay. yeah, but not in the next, apparently he's not eligible. He's been told he's not eligible for the next super. The super. And in, in theory, being a free agent allows him to pick the team mm -hmm. that he would want to sign with, as opposed to being mm -hmm. drafted and being forced onto a team if there are multiple suitors for his services. So that yeah. may actually play um, better into his interest than being drafted. But Agreed. certainly you'd like the security of being drafted too, and knowing that you're on a team and not having to wait until January 16th or after mm -hmm. to sign with a team. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who this was. This is the, uh, he's a DB rally Tahada. Rally Tejada and his brother played for San Antonio, um, Ranthony Tejada. Mm -hmm. And both the Tejada, both the Tejadas were not selected in this round of the draft. So they're both out there right now. That's <laughs> a hot, they're, they're a hot name. I mean, you heard a lot of PR from those two names. You know, they're brothers. They're the brothers. They're not twins, right? They're just brothers. No, there's, and there's a third one coming up. There's actually a third Tahada in the college system right now. It's coming out. Apparently, his father tells me he's better than the other two. <laughs> it's like the Watt family. Some man. good football playing genes on that family. His, <laughs> uh, their father was a college player. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I'm all, I, I see what you guys are saying, and I'm curious to see how it all ends up. Like I said, that's kind of why I haven't analyzed this too much because these rosters are going to shift. I bet we see some trades. We're going to see some people dropped and picked up. It, it, it's going to be a different spectrum come February 15th for sure. And, yeah. and that's the that's the big point too. The the 42 players protected, even the players drafted in the mini dispersal draft that we just had, there's no guarantee that those players are going to go to camp with those teams because once January 16th hits and free agency hits, if there's a lot of interest from those fringe NFL players, the players who uh, were not eligible for the dispersal draft and had not played in either the USFL or XFL in 2023, if there's a lot of interest from former practice squad players who are looking for work, uh, teams are going to want to sign them and, and they need space on their roster. So they may end up having to drop some of these guys. So you're right. The, the, these rosters are going to be fluid. Some of these players are going to be dropped before training camp. 
And uh, that's just the, the reality of the business. There's um, always uh, a transaction going on behind the scenes, if not in front. All right. I'm going to jump back into this list now. So we don't sit on here for three hours. Um, but I, I, I'm all for what you guys are saying. And I, I don't know. It is it, like we knew this was going to be positive and negative. And it, it just depends on what side of the fence you sit on right now. If, if, if you're liking what's going on, because, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to a Seattle Sea Dragons fan, I guarantee you they don't like what's going on. <laughs> they, they got a lot to say about it. So yeah. let's hop back on the list. We were talking about the Birmingham Stallions. Uh, we had Jamar Smith. Just wanted to see if you guys want to add any comments to him, uh, just talking about him and, and what he's going to offer the Stallions again this year. A winning season. I agree. <laughs> That's, in my opinion, that's one of the top ranked teams right now. You know, we don't have power rankings available, but if I was to look at this list from what they've drafted and who's returned, eh, they're looking pretty powerful next year. Yeah. 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 Brahmas and Stallions in the championship game. <laughs> hey, anything can happen. I mean, ask your uh, Arlington team, right? Anything can happen. So. Yeah, that's correct. So next up, I highlighted Victor Bolden Jr. He's also a Stallion. He's also he's the only person that's a USFL champion as well as an XFL champion. Um, in two years, he's had 45 receptions for 855 yards. So that's going to be a hot name to watch there. I bet you there's going to be a lot going on offensively. Gary Jennings was the next one I had. Gary Jennings Jr., former STL Battlehawk. Uh, last year, he had 11 receptions for 149 yards and three touchdowns. So, I mean, he was he was a he wasn't number one for the Battle Hawks receiving core, but he was definitely a crucial piece to that team last year. Yeah, he was one of those guys who signed uh, to an NFL NFL team this summer in training camp. <clears throat> so, in order to do that, had to be released from his XFL contract and ended up signing with the Stallions and the and the uh, USFL. Um, but I mean, you look at the battle Hawks receiver core, you know, they were able to bring Hakeem Butler back uh, their top receiver last year. They were able to bring back Jamarcus Bradley, who was a top draft pick of theirs last November. He never actually played for the battle Hawks because he ended up in the NFL. So St. Louis retained his rights. And now he is uh, one of the players who was protected. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, it's a good wide receiver core. They got Blake Jackson from Seattle. They got yep. Jacor Pearson, of course, probably me bearing the lead there getting Jacor Pearson from Seattle. So yeah, Gary Jennings was uh, sort of a role player f- with St. Louis, part of a really deep receiving core. They had Steven Mitchell, they had George Campbell there. Um, but I, I think St. Louis is going to be okay without him, but I do think he'll add some value to the stallions. For sure. Agreed. Agreed. Is there any other names you guys want to note for the Stallions before we move on to the Houston Roughnecks? All righty. Let's talk about about the Roughnecks. Uh, The first name I had, of course, on the list is Reuben Foster. Just absolute stud. Uh, We all know this name, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last year, he played eight games. He had 29 tackles. He's just an experienced veteran. I feel like he's going to be crucial for this Roughnecks defense, especially with some of the people that have been taken from that team and and basically ended up at the Brahmas on the D-line. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys who's the, one of the more experienced NFL players to come to the UFL. And, you know, I think they look at him as kind of a leader uh, on the field um, from that linebacker spot. So, yeah, he's going to provide a lot of value to Houston. Agreed, agreed. Uh, another name I had on the list was Isaiah Henney. He's a former Pittsburgh Mauler receiver. Last year he had 46 receptions for 474 yards. So definitely going to be watching for him this year, no doubt. Chris Odom is who I highlighted next, D-tackle. Uh, he's a former Houston gambler as well. Uh, he's got 41 total tackles and 12 and a half sacks in the 2023 season. I believe he won an award too, but I can't remember correctly. I don't want to Defensive player it. of the year 2022, I believe. That's what I thought. I just yeah. didn't want to speak my mind without knowing for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's he's interesting because he, he parlayed that into an NFL shot and then – um, he was actually, his rights were claimed by the Orlando guardians, uh, this past summer. And so there was a decision he had to make about moving on to the XFL or coming back to the USFL, which was a decision that was sort of made for him, um, with, uh, with the guardians going away. So, you know, obviously he's got strong credentials too, uh, as a pass rusher, as a force on that defense. So, uh, you know, they've got guys at every level on that Houston defense that I think are going to affect the uh, pass game in terms of Odom and then affect the run game in terms of Foster. So uh, really good base of a defense there for the Roughnecks. Agreed. Now we saw a lot of these gambler players just roll onto the Roughnecks. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was number, but it was, it was pretty, it was a lot. It, it was, I mean, they, it was their roster. So gotcha. the, the, the gamblers, <clears throat> the Roughnecks were protecting gamblers players. So the 42 protections were of the Houston Gamblers players. And then you saw, uh, looks like a lot of players from, well, see, this is interesting because usually you could look at a team and they've taken players from a specific team, but it looks like Houston drafted players from a wide range of teams. So interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just knew the the few key, key names there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of what stuck out in my head. And like I was telling you before we started the show, I mean, I've been an XFL guy, so it's weird coming into this and researching some of these names, and I'm not familiar with it all. You know? Yeah, I can go in this list and find 20 XFL men, but it's the other guys I really have to research. So hoping to catch up and learning about some of these good players as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some catching up to do. Next up, we got the Memphis Showboats. Uh, you know, the number one pick, in my opinion, Case Cookus, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, former Philadelphia star, it, just an absolute stud in the USFL. Uh, he had 218 completions last year for a total of 2,295 yards with 15 touchdowns. So uh, this this team is looking good from their picks. I mean, that, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Really, really favoring them. And to be honest with you, I kind of want to cover them this year, just just in general. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, Cook is a, Memphis is interesting because they've got four quarterbacks on their roster now. Um, although I think Cookus is is pretty clearly the starter. Uh, they've got Ryan Willis, uh, who didn't make the Battle Hawks last year. They've got Guy Myers, and uh, they've got um, Cole Kelly as well. So I, I think Cookus is based on his play in the USFL in previous seasons, probably walks in day one as the starter in Memphis. So, you know, the, a guy like Cookus sort of raises the, the quality of the offense 
overall. So I, I think that's going to be a real boon for them to have him come in. Agreed. Agreed. Next up on the list, I had Jonathan Adams. Uh, I graduated from a state. He's an a state graduate as well. So I, I'm familiar with him. Uh, he played for the New Orleans, New Orleans breakers last year. Uh, 41 receptions for 511 yards in that 2023 USFL season. He, he, he's a good man to, to throw a ball to for sure. So looking for him this year. Next up, I had Darius Victor running back, uh, former New Jersey general. He was named to the all USFL team and was named the 2022 United States football league offensive player of the year. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, he led the league with nine touchdown runs in 2022. Former, former New York Guardian, I believe, as well. Gotcha. XFL 2020 throwback. Oh, that's a good. I'm glad you remember that, man. I, I miss those days sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Much simpler times, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Before all the mess. Uh, uh, all right. So I'm going to move forward from that, unless you guys got anyone else you want to note from that team. The showboats. All right, let's move it on. All right, next up for the Michigan Panthers, I really like Wes Hills, uh, mm -hmm. running back, former New Orleans Breakers. He had 180 attempts last year with a total of 680 yards in the league. That was the most in the league in 2023. He had 10 TDs as well in that 2023 season. Uh, he made the all-USFL team. He should be a difference maker for those Panthers. Now, he went to college in Slippery Rock. Anyone want to guess what state that's in? Mm, Oregon? I have no idea. I think it's New York. Ah. I think. Let me look it up. Because if, if I'm wrong, I want to. Yeah, I thought if, you knew, too. I was like, come on, <laughs> trivia. If I'm wrong, I want to take full responsibility for Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, I gotcha. Close. I was close. <laughs> Sorry, guys, in the comments. Honestly, we got RJ in here, and I don't want to cover his face up at the bottom. Every time I click a comment, he's, he's covered up. So I see your comments. Probably for the best. <laughs> if you're asking a question, I will note it and star it, and I'll ask here in a minute when we're done with the conversation. No problem. So feel free to ask away. All right. So next up for those Panthers. Now, I, I, I need help saying this. Cole Hakatuni. Did I say that correctly? I think it's Hikutini. Hikutini. I'm terrible with names most of the time. Uh, <laughs> tight end, former Michigan Panther. I did not have time to gather stats for these this guy and the next guy I'm speaking about, but I was hoping you guys could maybe fill in the gaps about something about him. Uh, Hikutini was a guy I liked coming out of college, out of Louisville. Um, he was undrafted free agent in the NFL, so I, I remember that name. I don't know what he did in the USFL last year, but I do remember that name as a guy who uh, I thought was a little underrated coming out of college, so... Uh, he, I mean, he fits in a league like the UFL then. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, the next one I had was Breland Speaks. He's a DN. Uh, these guys are both Michigan Panthers as well, Cole and Breland. Uh, don't have much stats on Breland as well, but I know he is a stud. I just didn't have time to gather the numbers I wanted to here to, to speak about. Another guy with a bit of an NFL pedigree has played in the league. They have a really good defensive line just looking up and down their roster. Daniel Wise out of Kansas in the middle. They got Kenny Willeeks out of Michigan State uh, as an edge player, defensive end, sort of linebacker hybrid. Um, so, yeah, Breland Speaks in there as sort of a veteran. And, you know, I kind of like how they're building that defensive line there in Michigan. Agreed, agreed. 
that uh he's a former mississippi state graduate as well i believe is that correct i think so i think that's how i knew the name originally <laughs> um sounds about right let's see mississippi. either mississippi or mississippi state it's mississippi, mississippi. So it's miss yep. Yep. gotcha all right before we move on i mean is there anybody you want to add to this michigan panthers list and guys at home, I know we're missing people. I get it. But I just wanted to pick some names that would be highlightable and that you could look up. And, and you're going to see these names at some point in this season, no doubt. All right, let's move on to the Brahmas. Now, looking at the Brahmas, man, they got a pretty good roster. And the only downside that I'm hearing from a lot of these fans and a lot of analysts is the quarterback situation there. But... I know Cody Latimer should be a huge, huge piece of this offense. Last year, he had 50 targets for 593 yards and four touchdowns. It number number one receiver in Orlando, if I remember correctly, is that is that right? Probably. Yeah, I mean he, he was crucial, and they did a lot of dumps. They did a lot of catching up. So I mean that that does have something to do with it. But man, he's an athlete, and I'm so looking forward to seeing what he does this year with a with a decent team and yeah, slash quarterback. It's nice to see him that he's going to continue for another season with the league and, you know, see what he can do this year. Agreed. Another notable name that I highlighted was Devonte Beckett linebacker. He was a former Houston roughneck, a uh, key part of their defense last year. Very, very, very good shifty. Uh, he can stop the run. No doubt. Uh, I'm very adamant that this guy will be a key piece of this defense. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I I think so. Um, I want to let RJ take the the Brahmas stuff first. Oh, he's I, got it. I, <laughs> <laughs> he's our Brahmas guy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step away and let him take over this one. Let me oh, hit yeah. up the last name, and then I'll I'll let you have the floor, RJ. Yeah, so Nick, Nick Holly was the next one I had. Now, last year he was traded from the Roughnecks to the Brahmas. And he didn't get utilized too much in that Brahma game, but I know what he can do. I know what he's capable of. I've actually had some conversation with him personally, and he's a really good guy. So also looking forward to seeing what he does there. I'm, I'm kind of curious how the, how the uh, relationship is there, considering they traded him off. I know originally he wasn't too happy about it, but uh, so, so we'll see what happens. But RJ, man, what you, what you got about your Brahmas? I know you're, you're ready to talk about them. <laughs> Well, we all know that uh, yeah, Corey, uh, Corey, Cody Latimer is going to be an absolute beast in San Antonio. Right now, he's the only tight end on the roster. Uh, but when you have him, you really don't need another tight end. He's going to be the man. And I think that with a uh, better offensive line in San Antonio, you're going to see a better Jack Cohn. Uh, you look at the last three games of the season last season, he was throwing over 300 yards per game. He was the sacks were down, his accuracy was better. He looked really good at the last three games of the season. And with a better offensive line, you're going to see a better Jack Cone. And having a tight end like Latimer is just going to make him even better. And then with Nick Hawley, yeah, he was traded during the season last year. And his appearance, his addition to the team, I think really was a good catalyst because looking at it, he and Jack Cohn really connected, and Nick Holly in a short period of time, was catching ball after ball, and he actually had the first 100-yard passing uh, receiving game at the Brahmas last season, and gotcha. he was an absolute stud at the end. So 
having that type of chemistry continuing on to next this season, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, Nick's super physical. And if you ever meet him in person, he, he looks smaller when you see him on TV. But when you meet him in person, he, he's a large man. He, he's got some big arms, big legs, very physical. So I agree with that 100%. And, and the players that I'm really looking at, for, for me personally, it's all offensive linemen. I mean, the other big uh, signing we had was Alex Mullet from the Roughnecks. And we had a couple of people that had signed um, letters of intent that were were drafted, like Joe Crawl. He was from the IFL, the Quad City Steamwheelers. I don't know how much you know about the Indoor Football League, but uh, yeah, with him, uh, the Steamwheelers only allowed eight sacks all season last season, which is one of the fewest in the IFL. And uh, we also picked up, uh, uh, let's see, the other guy we picked up was, da, 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 da. yeah, Rashad Coward, an offensive guard also from the Roughnecks. Uh, he did have extensive time in the NFL. Uh, he was with the Arizona Cardinals, where he saw the most significant time. Uh, he had 39 games in the NFL. He started 19 games, only allowed four sacks. In his career, and three of them was in one season. So I, I think that with the offensive lineman help and an improved line, you're going to see a very good San Antonio Brahmas team because our defense was stellar last year, and we're just going to continue to get better. Agreed, agreed. Guys, you got any comments? Yeah, that, that was a good point by RJ about the tight ends because I talked about sort of uh, the transformation of the San Antonio roster, especially the offense. And we know that run and shoot offenses do not utilize traditional tight ends. So they didn't protect any tight ends that they had on their roster from San Antonio. And they only acquired one, Cody Latimer, who is really more of a wide receiver tight end hybrid. He's going to line up in the slot. He's not going to line up in line and block in the run game as a tight end. He's going to be a mismatch in the slot that uh, Jack Cohn or whomever is at quarterback can take advantage of. So that was sort of, if you're looking at San Antonio and wondering why they have a tight end when AJ Smith from the June Jones tree, they don't utilize tight ends. That's the reason he's not, really the traditional tight end he's more of a hybrid and uh yeah it's just it's a it's a time of change with san antonio i think they're going to be a lot more exciting offense next year if anything agreed Mm -hmm. all right before we move on any any other comments about san antonio looking forward to see how they do same same. in that rj that jack Cohn thing you said is absolutely right you know i've and I hope that, yeah, that he has the O-line and he's going to mess it up this year. I think good. so. And I think that we'll prove all the haters wrong. Because, I mean, Jack Cohn did get a lot of a lot of hate up here in San Antonio. But, well, they're gonna I mean, shoot. he was on his back for most of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his percentage, his pass completion percentage, it's not the worst. It's not the best. But it, it's fair for what he dealt with. And Mm-hmm. With, I mean, with these line pieces, you know, th- this is the Roughnecks line from last year. The, some of these pieces are, are really, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we uh, the, the Brahmas allowed 26 sacks last season, which was the third most in the XFL, only behind Orlando and Seattle. And you look at the offensive line, we only protected two because <laughs> Luke Jariga was the only offensive lineman that started every single game last year. The wow. rest of the line was was in and out, and we had the other offensive lineman, which is uh, Cole Leoboa. 
he also played 10 games, but he only started eight. And so he's the only other one that was protected. The rest of the offensive linemen, you look at it, it was one game, three games, two games, one game, three games, five games. I mean, with that inconsistency, it's like no wonder our quarterbacks were running for their life. And then Kurt Bankirk was knocked out for for the season. And then yeah. Reese Sennett was also injured for the season. And Jack Cohn was injured, and he missed time. And it's like, well, with that inconsistency on the offensive line, it's like no wonder our quarterback play was terrible. Yeah, speaking of Kurt, you know, he was also picked up in this this draft. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. interesting. He supposedly yeah. retired. At least he said in a tweet that he retired to pursue some other adventure. So, I mean, let's see, changed his mind. Well, uh, you know, I, it's my understanding that the only players that were made available to be selected were players that had signed letters of intent for 2024. So... I would assume then that Kurt Ben Kurt signed a letter of intent for 2024 if he was protected. Exactly. Um, so I'm not I'm not really sure what's going on there. I guess we'll find out when camp opens. Yeah, he didn't have any comments on Twitter about that, did he? I mean, I looked, but I didn't see anything personally. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen. I think there's a lot of people just making sure their their nests is, their nests are feathered here. In other words, they're packing it full with whatever they can at this point, knowing it's going to change. Yep. 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 I know yeah. I saw like the power poles and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> then this, this, this was prior to um, even Monday's news. Oh, it was like Friday. I'm amateurs, like, they just don't know what goes on in these leagues. We've seen it all. It just, Everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. I LOL'd for real in real life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the Battle Hawks. Now they've got oh. a lot of weapons, guys. They're, Look they're looking like guy. studs. Yeah, where'd that yep. picture come from? <laughs> oh well, well it came from the XFL, but that's the player. That's the player. That's he's quite the mystery. I think Greg knows way more about this. Why the NFL never picked him up? I mean, he was the top dog, but he had yeah. lots of tryouts, so didn't he, Greg? Yeah, he. I think he had more tryouts than any XFL player did, and for whatever reason, that never resulted in a contract. Uh, I wrote a column about. You know, one of the things that leagues like the XFL and now the UFL like to tout is the opportunity they provide players. But um, sometimes the opportunity for even really good players doesn't come from the NFL. And so, you know, I think working against him for a big reason is his size. You know, he's diminutive and there are exceptions to the rule that we've seen in the NFL be successful, but... Um, usually those are players drafted that teams do a lot of heavy research into. It's not someone who walks in off the street and they're going to sign to a contract. So that's unfortunate, but you know, a, a league like the UFL coming along gives an opportunity for a player like Pearson to make a living playing football, even if it's not in the NFL. Yeah. He, big name, the best receiver in the XFL last year, no doubt. Jacor Pearson. Uh, yeah, he played nine games. I guess he was hurt one game. He was targeted 84 times with 60 receptions and a total of 670 yards. And that's in the regular season as well. Um, he didn't, they didn't make it postseason, did they? I can't even remember. I have to look it up. But he had four total TDs for the year uh, with, with that Seattle they did. Team. They did make it to the postseason. That was the game where they threw all but like one play, didn't they? They ran the yep. ball like twice. Yep. That's right. You're right. 100% correct. That's where everybody was questioning what the hell was going on. Yeah. 
Uh, next up, I had Peta. You know, the the former mm-hmm. XFL Defensive Player of the Year, played for the Vegas Vipers. Linebacker should look good. And Greg, I know you know how to say his name. Say it correctly for me, please. Taumoa Penu. Taumoa Pentu. Is that correct? Ta- no T at the end. Taumoa Penu. Penu. Taumoa yep. Penu. I'll get railed by this online, but that's okay. I'd rather make it public that I don't know before I say it wrong. Uh, I remember last year, Taumu. I was saying his name, uh, Tamamu, and I got railed <laughs> online for that. So, guys, please excuse me. I do the best I can, I promise. <laughs> uh, next up, I had Nico Bolden, defensive back at Kent State last year, two years ago, I believe. Uh, Bolden made 188 tackles in his time there, and I believe he only played one year at Kent State. He transferred from, uh, I can't remember. Uh, but, yeah, so he had 188 tackles in that year, two interceptions. He broke up three passes, forced two fumbles, and recovered one fumble as well. Um, he was initially signed to the Carolina Panthers as an undrafted free agent, but he was waived um, because of an injury, and he missed the 2023 season because of that. You guys got any other names you want to bring up from this Battlehawks? Now, I got one more, and that's Max. Uh, Max Borgie. Yeah. Stud, if you don't know his name by now, you should definitely look him up. Guys at home, he, he's going to be a key piece of this Battle Hawks offense, no doubt. Um, this team in general, just looking at their roster as well, I, I'm putting them at top two just right now from looking at this roster. They, yeah, they've got some big names. It's hard not to not to consider that they're going to be there. Yeah, the, the Battle Hawks to me are a team that won the offseason for whatever that's worth. We hear a lot in the NFL about teams who win the offseason. Usually that doesn't always translate onto the field. But St. Louis was a team that going into 2023 was a team at the top of a lot of odds makers lists about winning the XFL championship. They finished seven and three. We know the controversy about them not making the playoffs and everything like that. But they got so much better with one caveat in the offseason. You know, they add Jacor Pearson, the leading receiver in the league last year. They add Peter Talmoa Penu, the uh, leading sack artist in the league last year. They add one of the top running backs in the league in Max Borgie. They get a lot of players back who signed into the NFL this summer. I think they were the, the team among the XFL teams anyway that had the most players sign into the NFL this summer and then sign letters of intent to come back. They get a guy like Jamarcus Bradley, who they drafted in 2022, uh, who, as I talked about earlier, ended up signing into the NFL, didn't play with the Battle Hawks in 2023. It's kind of like a free draft pick they get this year. Mm-hmm. So they, they had a tremendous offseason in terms of adding top-end talent. The only question mark now is at the quarterback position, where A.J. McCarron is now on the roster of the Cincinnati Bengals, the 53-man roster. So there's no do I sign a futures contract or not? Because he's not on the practice squad. He's on the actual roster. So he is going to be a Bengal heading into 2024 season. The battle Hawks did protect two quarterbacks, Nick Tiano, their backup who started one game last year, defeated the Vegas Vipers and Manny Wilkins, their backup uh, who ended up being the third string when McCarron was healthy. So they've got two quarterbacks. The question is, is the coaching staff confident enough in Nick Tiano? Did they see enough in him last year to where they're ready to go into 2024 with him as the starter? Or are they going to try to look to add another top end quarterback between now and training camp? I think they're going to look for another quarterback for training camp. Agreed. Because they almost have to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you going into the training camp, you need to have that depth to try people out. Now um, I just, 
thought about Cole McDonald from the Roughnecks. Now he was one of the players that was released just prior to mm-hmm. Christmas. Now where is he going to end up, or is he going to come back and play in the UFL? Do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he was a backup last year, sort of a gadget player with Houston, came in and ran the ball a lot, uh, almost a wildcat quarterback yeah. for the Roughnecks last year. I'm not sure if he showed enough last year to kind of walk in and, and even compete for a starting job. He could find a spot as a backup somewhere, maybe in San Antonio. Maybe the Houston coaching staff liked what they saw, and they'll sign him back up uh, once free agency starts. But, yeah, so, so uh, Phillips might bring him over. Might bring that's him possible. Training camp, yeah. yeah, I just – and of course, he was a big uh, star of the of the XFL last year because he was featured in the in this this series, um, TV series, and that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, a lot of these get, names are well known, and I'll tell you one thing: if there's one franchise in this league that loves their their players and team, it's definitely St. Louis. So they're going to rally <laughs> oh, yeah. behind whoever so, is there. So that's. That's the the other player is the fans there are gonna, you know they're gonna come out and f- pack that dome again because they're they're crazy for the battle hacks and they'll, they'll all be going kaka 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 which is awesome, <laughs> and you know it's gonna happen and I think the other thing was the head coach uh, back is uh, he's a players coach so the players want to play for him. Agreed. It's a big deal. All right, you we, we ready to move on to our next team? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, next up, let's talk about the D.C. Defenders. Uh, We have Abram Smith returning. Uh, I would say he was the best RB in XFL 2023. You can debate that a little bit, but not not too much. Um, He had 157 (laughs) attempts last year for 788 yards with seven touchdowns. Stud, stud. Well, the defenders are happy to get him back. I mean, the defenders fans start squeezing your lemons because <laughs> you got, you know, and plus they have Trent Harris now too to shore up their uh, their defense. So it's like, you know, bring it. Agreed. Yeah, the Trent, that's another name I was going to bring up, Trent Harris. One of my favorites from last year. Just absolutely demolished there the first half of the season. He kind of slowed down that second half. But, man, he had a lot of sacks there that first half. Next yeah, up, I had – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Him and Tim Ward. I mean, D.C. got both of them. They were their sort of two-headed monster on uh, on Houston's defense. And, you know, so they feasted a little bit on Orlando, who was overmatched in terms of the offensive line against Houston. And, and Harris and Ward were able to rack mm-hmm. up a lot of sacks against uh, them. But, yeah, I, I mean, to be able to add these to a Greg Williams defense is – it's going to put fear into some offensive coordinators next year. Yep, agreed, agreed. Oh, another name. Like I said, Santos San, Santos Ramirez. Uh, he was a defensive back, former D.C. defender as well. Mm-hmm. He's really a key part of that defense. So this this defense in D.C. is going to be good. They're going to be good. And I'm looking forward to seeing them play. The big question in D.C. right now is who's going to be quarterback? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the question for a lot of teams, right? And it's the most important position. So it makes sense that we ask that question. Jordan Tamu is sort of MIA. He signed with the Minnesota Vikings, so he had to be released from his XFL contract, had not signed a letter of intent to come back. So he was not eligible to be protected. One assumes that his rights would still be uh, owned by the D.C. defenders uh, should he choose to return. 
But that's really up in the air right now. And we don't know if the defender's front office has been in contact with Tama. We don't know if they know what his plans are or not. Um, we know that they did not protect any quarterbacks in the in the um, in the draft. They only drafted DeAndre Francois, who is a backup in Orlando, who plays a similar style to that of Derek King, who probably isn't coming back because he took a quarterback's coach job at SMU, and it would be very difficult to juggle a position coach job at a high level college and play football as well so you could see Francois stepping into the king role but that still means they're missing a starting quarterback so it's either going to be Tiamu or they're going to have to go outside the organization to find someone let's talk about that for a minute you know I I bet bet Derek King wants to come back but the timing probably he's probably trying everything to work out the timing I bet you if I would that's my thought on him and DeAndre Francois. But, but is he even a starter if he comes back? Well, like, right. Is he, is he a guy who you can walk in and hand the starting job to? Um, yeah, he was Maybe a guy who was brought in. They had a package of plays for him last year, mm-hmm. but he was a guy who was not really the starter. And you, you weren't really sure watching him if he could really handle a full season's load at quarterback. Yeah, he was awesome on a on a green painted field in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's that's like bring him in. You got one of those fields. He's the guy. You because had to he, bring up the field. <laughs> well, yeah. Still, still fun to talk about. But he, of course, he won that game for them in the rain. I mean, he yeah. was the guy. So you need a weapon like that, obviously, in this playing uh, football this time of year. Um, but yeah. So, but if he came back, wouldn't he be the? Uh, he would be competing with Giandre Francois in training camp for that backup role. That that running quarterback backup role. A lot of folks were kind of bashing DC for, for their QB pick. And this is from my observation online. That, do you think they know something about Tiamu that they're going to get him back? There's, there's got to be something going on there, whether it's King or Tiamu, it's, it's one or the other. They've got a plan, I think in action and, and we'll see it unfold soon. Yeah. I don't think Francois was drafted to be the starter. Let, let's no. Let's make that clear. Um, you know, he was probably drafted to fill the king role, and they'll be looking for a quarterback. Yeah, I think maybe Greg's got it right there. That's yeah. it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, before I move on, is there anything else about these defenders we should discuss? Uh, beer snake. Why? <laughs> beer snake lemons. How much uh, money does it cost to make one of those beer snakes? I want to know. I want some reporting on that. Well, hopefully it doesn't get banned again this year for a short time. Well, that was that was that was silly. That yeah, was very silly. silly. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the lemons. I really hope I can attend a DC game this year. Uh, I've never been to DC. I'd love to go for a game. That would be fantastic. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm very impressed by their soccer field setup. I've heard so many things about how intense it is mm-hmm. to play there and just be on the field during a game. So really looking forward to that aspect. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Next yeah. up, let's talk about the Renegades. I left them for last because I feel like there's going to be a little QB controversy there. Uh, first up, you know, I've got Lindsey Scott, picture of him in college. Uh, he, he's final season in UIW. Uh, Scott set a new FCS record for touchdown passes in a season with 60. He finished the season with 321 completions on 453 pass attempts for 4,657 passing yards and 60 touchdowns. 
He also rushed 12 times for 712 yards and 11 touchdowns. Scott won the Walter Payton Award at the end of the season. You're right. I think the Arlington quarterback spot is going to be interesting. And if we had not known, if it had not leaked that Scott was the first pick by the Renegades, we would probably look at this list and say, oh, they got themselves a nice backup quarterback, you know, whatever, when Luis Perez retires or wants to move on with his life. Um, But the fact that he was the number one overall pick really makes you wonder, like, are they going to spend a number one overall pick for a guy who may not play much the first year? So that does make you question, okay, I, I know that Luis Perez turned Arlington season around to the point that he led them to a championship, but you know, they're drafting Scott with the number one overall pick. What's, what's his role going to be in 2024. So that does raise some questions. Arlington was a team that uh, had, I think six or seven quarterbacks that they had claimed at one time or another, or had signed letters of intent. So they were really stockpiling quarterbacks. Now they didn't protect them all. They only protected Luis Perez and Holden Ehlers, and then they uh, drafted Scott as well. So their quarterback room might be full at this point, and it's a good one for sure. Uh, they've got two young guys to push Luis Perez, that's for sure. And and perhaps, you know, if Perez is only going to give it one more year, they may be getting ready for 2025 already. Yes, sir. We had a question from XFL Mike G. How did he end up in Arlington? I know he signed to the Houston Roughnecks originally. He had that LOI back in, what, July? And mm-hmm. so... He just got – he wasn't protected, I guess, and rolled out to another team. Yeah, I mean, he he couldn't be protected because he was on a team that no longer exists. Understood. So I bet San Antonio, and which was which is Houston's coaching staff, would have loved to have drafted him. Yeah. But Arlington took him number one overall, maybe as much to uh, avoid having him go to San Antonio as much as utilizing him themselves. <laughs> We had some more comments. Lindsey Scott or Louise Perez, who you got? The controversy has begun. Yeah. <laughs> Championship team controversy. We've got to love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, XFL Mike G said Perez plays and they groom Scott. And I could see that, but I could also see Perez being a good, good trade tool to get some more utilization. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I- yeah, he, he's shown his, his worth as a trade. He's a tradesman. Yeah. He can go anywhere and play. Yeah, just, he, he's just, not messed up about it. Yeah, he's, I, that's his thing for his career in these alternative leagues. I just look at Lindsey Scott coming out of Incarnate Word, which I believe is an FCS program. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to need some time to develop. As as good as he was at that level, um, I, you know, I don't know that he's ready to come in and be a starter day one mm-hmm. at a, a league of this level and of this competition that we're going to see this year. So I could totally see uh, that exact scenario playing out. Perez starts, they groom Scott for a future role. Agreed, agreed. I'm a huge Lindsey Scott fan myself. Uh, my wife and I actually covered uh, UIW last year when they were doing their playoff run. So we got to interview him a couple times, and uh, she wrote a couple articles on him. He was a very nice kid, very polite, very friendly, just an awesome kid, someone that you can really, really get behind and root. And I was really hoping he was going to come to San Antonio because I would love to see a local kid. Honestly, RJ, I think he would have because he's a guy who fits what A.J. Smith does on offense. He's a quarterback who fits what they do. And I think he would have been perhaps even a first-round pick of the Brahmas had Arlington not had the first pick and drafted him with that. Yeah, it was some supposedly we didn't have the first pick because of a trade last season, mid-season, which 
I mean, I follow the team closely, and I don't recall any trade with Arlington at all. So I'm still confused of. So why the, the way the, the way it was told to me by Mike Mitchell, so it was relayed to him this way, was that the trade happened during the rookie draft. So it wasn't actually a player for a pick. It must have been a rookie draft pick in exchange for what was to be a pick in the November XFL draft. Of course, that never took place because we had the merger. So that would apply to the very next draft, which was this draft. Uh, That's how I understand it. I'm not saying it makes any sense, but that's my understanding of how it played out. Understood. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that as well, because I didn't even want to try to tackle that personally. (laughs) Hey, we had Cody Latimer. He commented on the, the show, guys. He said, keep it going, fellas. Orange Love the forward, talk. Cody. Up that league, <laughs> <All right. laughs> What's up, Cody? Good luck this season, man. Seriously, we'll be he watching. Must have, he must have heard we were saying good things about him. So uh-huh, his ears were burning. <laughs> yeah. The show is spread around. We're, we're definitely getting out there more now that everything's hit. But I tell you, man, there's about – uh, eight shows that have popped up regarding XF or sorry, here we go again, UFL and, and especially this dispersal draft. So Cody, man, appreciate mm-hmm. you watching and commenting. We look forward to your season, brother. Amen. All right. So let me get a couple more names here. Uh, added a Gene Harris, former Houston roughneck DB, another key part of their defense. I feel like mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he had five interceptions on the year. Uh, I can't. I, I didn't. I didn't yeah. look at it for sure. There was but, a lot. And so he, but, at one yeah. point, he had the most in the XFL. I think yeah. someone passed him by one or so. But. And uh, you can see Coach Phillips didn't waste any time bringing him over. Yeah. Very active on the field. When you watch him play, dude, it's everywhere. He, he's not. He's not. He's not sitting in one isolated position. He's ready to roll. And I believe yeah. he's a returner as well. Yep, yep. Very shifty, very quick, agile. Uh, next up, I had Vic Beasley, former Vegas Viper linebacker. It, interesting thing about Vic was he was one of the first-round picks in that 2023 XFL draft for the Vegas Vipers. We all know how the Viper season went, but it, there was a lot of different controversies with that team that we, we don't even need to get into <laughs> specifically. <laughs> But yeah, guys, any other names on that list that you wanted to to share or talk about? I mean, anybody that you guys want to highlight, please do. This is the time to, to talk about it. I don't know. I it was a good list, and I obviously there's way more depth we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if anyone knows what's going to happen with Heinz Ward. Is he is he just a he just has a wrongful dismissal lawsuit is that basically where he ends up his time with the xfl ufl yeah supposedly it was a contract that he was only on a one-year contract and that uh, refused to have less money coming into year two okay uh, there's also some rumors out there which of course these are just rumors nothing verified but it was supposedly something to do with fox and the merger that they really wanted Wade Phillips to remain in the league. And so since yeah. uh, Houston Roughnecks were no longer going to be there, he was moving to San Antonio. And so they moved Heinz Ward out. So, it was so like, you, got, uh, you got bumped. So when I said the lawsuit, I was actually incorrect. There's no lawsuit. I, I get that the USFL needed to keep a team to make it four and four, especially because they're doing the USFL and the XFL divisions. But if Fox really wanted Wade Phillips that badly, 
I just don't know why you don't move Houston's coaching staff of the Roughnecks and, and keep them with the Roughnecks and move. Right. If you're if you're going to get rid of San Antonio's coaching staff, bring Curtis Johnson and the Gamblers over to San Antonio, right? Because he, Wade Phillips has much more of a history in Houston. I mean, he's yeah. that's that's the big draw. That's part of the attraction is is Wade Phillips back in Houston. Uh, where he coached for so long, where his father was such a legend uh, in coaching, and now he moves to San Antonio, and you, I don't know, it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, you bring up some very valid points, sir, Greg. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I, it's it was a mess, and I think wow, it's like oh, we thought the Houston Roughnecks were dead and gone. No, no, they're not because they're so popular. But they're just and it shows the you. Name. It's like it, sh- it shows you how last minute this happened, where right. you know. Yep. Mark Lillibridge, Houston Roughnecks DPP signs off on social media, and yeah. then a week later he's the Brahmas DPP because all the coaching there, the coaches move over there. Like yeah, I mean, so it, the, they didn't know what was going to happen. It was, this is was all a surprise. Yeah, this and, was, and, and, the, and I had I had to laugh because I don't know if it was in a press release or if it was something said on television. Oh, you know, the Houston Roughnecks and the Houston Gamblers were both very successful franchises and and, and, and very successful, you know, great. They have great trademarks and great uh, images, but we moved the Roughnecks over to, the, to be the Gamblers. I'm like, well, if the Gamblers were su- such a successful trademark and it was so iconic, then why did you get rid of them? Like that, the, the way they phrased that made no sense. Oh, the, the Gamblers and Roughnecks are both great, but we got rid of the Gamblers and, and accepted the Roughnecks. Well, then the gamblers weren't that great if they couldn't stand alone and, and you could just jettison the roughnecks. I don't know. The whole thing is just, yeah. it, it's a mess and it's over with now. And this is what we have. And now we can move forward. I think. Well, that's right. yep. And I, I wonder if Matthew can answer this because Matthew has an inside track with the Houston. Are the Houston roughnecks fans going to stick around for this new roughnecks that are actually gamblers? Yes. And from my judgment, yes. Uh, many of the super fans I've dealt with, talked to, even normal everyday fans were ecstatic that they kept the brand. Personally, as as a, a Roughnecks fan, I wasn't too happy with it. I, I don't I, it's it's a sheep in wolf's clothing. You know, it, it's just a little different to me. And that that's my personal opinion uh, as a fan. But uh, from judging a lot of what I've seen, who I've talked to, I mean, we covered this Roughnecks brand popularity for months, trying to help just put it to the front of this conversation. And I think it eventually worked. And you can see Mike G said they saw the Roughnecks petition. Yeah, that, and petition, it was, that petition had, I think it had some juice. I think it worked. Yep, yep. And it's it's not a, a one-person effort. This was a collective effort amongst mm-hmm. many fans, media people that are just getting their voices out there. And the interesting thing was you didn't see a gambler's side of that equation. You know, it was the rough oh, yeah. fan. Yeah. So I do believe they'll support this team and they'll be there in, in similar numbers as what they were last year. You, know, you got to remember they were middle tier in terms of attendance. So it's not like they're going to expect 20,000 out. I'd say 15 will be lucky. <clears throat> uh, well, they should, they should be able to do better. I mean, they did better with xfl 2020 i mean definitely uh, better with xfl 2020 i don't know what it's going to be like with the new stadium which i haven't announced that's rumored to be rice stadium I, i'm wondering if that will be good for them i hope it i hope it is and and that being said all to all the roughneck fans out there that fought for it 
you know, pat yourself on the back. It, you actually, it actually worked. Like, Agreed. You know, it, worked. it worked in a way that you never dreamed of, but it worked. The yeah, fans signed the petition too, and I'm not even a Roughnecks fan. I yeah, <laughs> I know if I signed it. I mean, it took three <laughs> seconds to sign. You just signed into it and signed your name. It was super yeah. easy. Yeah, well, it, why not? I do enjoy the fact that the league or leagues, the UFL, listen to the players. They listen to their comments, the shows. That tells me that they're actually on the ground working. They're not just sitting up in their executive boxes, pointing down decisions and, and ruling over everyone. So I, I'm, I'm happy with the way things have turned out in terms of for the fans personally, a little disappointed. And that's why I'll be checking out Memphis probably some this year. And mm -hmm. especially with that stellar roster they got, but still love my rough neck, still love Houston, still love the fans and good luck to them this year. Seriously. Yep. And I, I I know there's there's talk of bringing back like the Sea Dragons in the next year or the year after. I'm wondering how realistic that is, like for them to expand next year. Mm, seems kind of unrealistic to me. Um, and of course, I I do believe the UFL wants to go back to Florida. I believe that that's their they need. That's what they feel they need. And you know, and how that happens and when it happens, that could be tricky. Because they've been a lot of lots of teams have been to Florida. Now I think somebody recommended that maybe the Orlando Apollos might be a good brand to bring back because they were popular. So or not we're, back. Orlando's but gonna be revived. out a little bit there. They're gonna be it's gonna be hard to get that fan base back. Most of those people are very disappointed. I knew a, a an individual that I'm close with that covered the Guardians and he was he was all guardian. He loved it. He it, that was his his thing. And yeah, super disappointed with what ha what's happened. But he's still going to continue to pursue the league, just a different team. Well, there was that one guardian fan that used to dress up in like a Wolfman thing. Is that the guy? No, no, no. This is actually a media coverage member. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want. I didn't want to say have, his name. They have their fan base, but I mean, yeah, they've been burned. They've been burned. You know, they're allowed uh, to rage. I mean, come on. Speaking yeah. of burned, if they keep the same schedule in terms of starting in March and ending in June, that's going to be really tough selling in a lot of parts of Florida where it gets really hot and humid. And there's not going to be a lot of fans who are going to want to sit in, in a stadium in the middle of the afternoon in 95-degree weather with 100% humidity and watch oh, those games. Yeah. So and it's, it's going to be rough in Texas too, right? Same thing in Birmingham, guys. It's, it's right. Be so so this, this year they're starting on March 30th. Is that just this year, do you think? Like uh, that's what I was wondering too. I was wondering, is that a uh, uh, necessity because they're so far behind with all the merger stuff and they plan to go back to uh, February start next year? Or is this just the schedule that they're going to have moving forward? I, I don't think we're going to know until next season rolls around. Well, I think for, for you, RJ, the Alamo Dome is air conditioned, isn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> so, that's a nice place to start playing all your games nice. down there. I think <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, in, in my time in the Alamo Dome, I remember I was even cold. <laughs> I, I had a suit on, I had a jacket on, and some nice slacks and stuff, and I was that still. Wasn't, that wasn't just cold. the cold beer you were drinking, was it? Oh no, no cold beer in the press box, sir. Just that free barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, um, I had a couple questions I wanted to run through before we let you guys go. 
Is there anything else you want to discuss regarding the dispersal draft? And once we answer these questions, we're going to talk a little bit about phase two, and then I'll let you roll out if you're good with that. All right. We've already sat on here for an hour and 18. It's definitely going to be a two-hour show. Definitely. <laughs> but all right. So I had one fan, uh, Philip. He said, drone cam, yay or nay? Do you guys remember this drone cam from the USFL season last year? Yeah, it would buzz around. Yep. Yeah, Not, I, I think it's I think it's a great thing. I would love to see drones in the UFL. Do you, for do, it. do you need a drone cam if you have a sky cam? I mean, what's the difference? I think it could just get a little closer to the action and get out real fast. Yeah, and, you know, it could zip Probably. in, zip out, get angles that you can't see typically. I, I think any way that you can present the game differently from the NFL, that's a selling point. And, yeah. and I'm reading a lot of reports that it looks like the XFL kickoff is not going to come to the UFL, which I, I don't really understand because that's another one of those things, whether it's a broadcast innovation or it's an on-field innovation, you need to draw in fans who wouldn't normally check out this football. And how do you do that? You do that by being different. You do that by offering different rules different broadcast innovations that the NFL is not doing because there's a finite number of people who are willing to watch football that looks the same as the NFL, but with inferior players. I mean, that's just, it's, it's the story of spring football. There's just not Mm -hmm. enough people to check that out. So you've got to give a little sizzle to that stake. And, and so I'm all for anything that makes the broadcast look different, any innovations that the NFL is not doing, uh, whether it's on-field rules or whether it's uh, from a technology point of view. We have saw how spring football has changed some of the NFL's, you know, camera angles, mm-hmm. rules, different things that they have taken from XFL 2000 to XFL 2020. I mean, it, it, there, there are different things that we can look at now that I would say came from them, as well as the AAF. I, I believe the AAF had some great camera angles, if I remember correctly. You really saw that kind of being utilized in the NFL next year, the different angles. So I, I agree with you. You know, whatever they can do to to get more interest, to be different, to have an identity of their own, uh, be innovative, innovative and, and do something productive. With those rule changes, we'll probably need another petition. Uh, <laughs> maybe you know, maybe we'll, another way to go is we'll start a thread in UFL board and we'll start – talking about what we want maybe someone will read it xfl fans for it usfl fans are not for it <laughs> that, that's that's going to be something similar why to that. come on just, that some it, reading a lot of comments and opinions they just did not like it a lot of those fans in and, the and, but it's funny because it. if you were to read comments by people who would not ordinarily pay attention to a league like the XFL. The one thing people said was, Hey, you know, that kickoff rule is kind of cool. Like it's something that even the NFL was considering. So it was successful in increasing returns. It was successful in uh, preventing injuries on the most dangerous play in football. Now maybe the USFL has stats that their kickoff was, you know, I think I saw where they, 80 to 90% kickoff return rate. So that's really good, uh, far above the NFLs. And, you know, if they were able to present data that showed that uh, injuries were down as well from that, then okay. But, you know, something that is, is critically acclaimed as the XFL kickoff by people who wouldn't normally even pay attention to the league, I think that's something you want to keep. Yeah. 
You know, I just sell it. Tell them that this is created by Sam Schwarzstein on a restaurant table using Splenda packs and sugar packs. <laughs> that's how it was developed, or I don't know if that was how it was developed, but that's how they. That's one of the stories, and I, that's true. Of course, they tested it in the uh, the spring league and college. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to sell it. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Agreed. Agree. Is there going to be an us and them? Uh, sorry, an XFL versus USL. Sorry, thing? but the feud is not over, Mark. Well, how how will it end? Will it end at the championship game? And, I guess and so. That... And then once it's over, we'll all shake hands and we'll all say, okay, now we're in yeah. this together. No, we'll do it again next year. Again. <laughs> yeah, that's more likely. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. Jay asked, hey, guys, do you see DeAndre Johnson of the Generals going anywhere? He could fit in Michigan at QB. Yeah, I think he's a guy who, um, and I was talking to Mike Mitchell about this, that could be in that Jordan Tayamu role in D.C. with their offense. Um, He might be a fit there. Um, So, yeah, I I think he's a guy to watch out for in this uh, second draft coming up. Understood. Just wanted to ask that. All right, let's talk a little bit about phase two now. I know we talked about it there at the beginning of the show, but so phase two is going to be January 15th, 2024. I'm guessing from that, we probably won't see the results until January 16th. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, the same as before. So we're going to have a lot of changes that week. We're going to have a lot of things shifting. I'm sure we'll have many press releases to look at and develop in that time. Yeah, and the UFL will definitely have to start up their transaction wire pretty soon because they right now they're not. I guess there's no need for it, but it's that's coming. So yeah. they need to build that their website. There's you can see how it's building their web the new website. They're just adding pieces to it. Yes, sir. Agreed. And well, all schedule, I know. All I know is uh, I have the 15th and 16th off, so I'm going to be holed up in my office here, uh, <laughs> click clacking away on my computer uh, with yeah. my analyzation uh, of these uh, picks and free agency moves if there, if there are any on the 16th. Yeah, you know that's all appreciated, Greg. You do such great work analyzing Agreed. things and putting the you know your take on things. Yeah, keep it up. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, yep. You'll be grabbed up by Sports Illustrated soon too, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we. Well, those two guys that are Mike Mitchell and uh, Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. Well, we uh, they started with the XFL board, both of yep. them. Mike yep. Mitchell. Mike Mitchell when he was literally a twenty or twenty something year old. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how old he is now, actually. So. Like he's 20-something. And, uh, yep. They've been on the show multiple times. They're they're yeah. great. They're great knowledge sources for this the spring football stuff. So, but you you can see how SI Fan Nation is now covering because of those two are writing for it. There's now as uh, a lot of SI coverage. Now it's SI Fan Nation. Uh, but it you know it gets mixed in, and you can see how that provides coverage for the UFL. Um positive coverage because that's what these guys are putting up and what it what it shows is there's a lot of media coverage for the ufl probably uh probably more now than any other version of xfl agreed there's a lot going on so if you're watching the show i appreciate it taking the time 
I know there was three or four different shows playing tonight regarding these topics. So appreciate you watching and listening to us, everyone at home. Well, why wouldn't we listen to you, Matthew? Oh, they came for you and Greg. They didn't they didn't come for me. <laughs> You're too modest. You're too modest. <laughs> You're too modest, Matthew. This you show good, you put on a good show. I appreciate that. And this show really I, I've always since we started the live, and interesting enough, you guys were the first two on the live when I first started this, if you don't yeah. remember episode one. Uh, Groundbreaking. It, <laughs> there's something so much more enjoyable to me than to have, to have experts come tell me what their opinions are and what they know. Mm-hmm. You know, me as a person, I don't want to sit here and tell everyone what to think. I feel like getting those resources from the people that are necessary is key to having an understanding of what's going on. And if, if you're, if you're one-sided on that or only following one group, you're probably going to get swayed on the wrong side a little bit. So mm-hmm. that I, I greatly enjoy everyone that comes on here and you guys as well. It's been great and nothing but a good experience. This is episode 40. And, and like I said, things will be changing soon enough with the show as well. All right, so let's get back to the super draft. So we're looking at 20 players being picked up, correct, on that 15th date? Maximum. Max. So so depending, uh, we're going to look at some free agent pickups probably the day following. Is that correct? Well, that's when it supposedly starts. Now, when that information is made public by the league, who knows? Uh, is it going to be contemporaneous with the signing or are we going to have to deal with leaks about who's signing where? I don't know. Um, we, we've never really seen, at least for the XFL, we've never really seen a free agency period. So we don't know how it, it'll operate in terms of releasing that news. But I mean, you can just kind of look at it from a numbers point of view. I think what was the number 75 they're going to be taking to camp? Yes. Yeah. Is that is that the number? So exactly you start it. with 42 protections. I think the mm-hmm. average was around 11 to 12 draft picks in the first dispersal draft. That they brings they you could up have to, had 20. Right. The max was 20, but I think only like <clears throat> one team drafted actually 20. Right. So most teams are in that 50 to 55 range of players right now. You Let's say they add another 10 to 15 in um, – in the next phase, that gets you up to 65 to 70. So now all of a sudden you've got anywhere from five to 10 spots open for free agency or anything like that. So, um, you know, that's just kind of a ballpark of, of what we may be looking at. Every team obviously is going to have a different philosophy on how to utilize the draft, different needs and uh, different things that they're looking for in players in these drafts. Yeah. So, you know, they get that super draft done and then, just wait because there's probably I think every one of these teams has players they have just waiting in the wings, the free agents, yep. and they're just going to start bringing them in. And, and the so other thing, too, really want, it's not just free agents, but let's take a guy like Jordan Tayamu, whose rights belong to the defenders, but he hasn't signed an LOI yet. Right. Let's say he signs a letter of intent somewhere between now and training camp. He would be added to the defenders roster. So there are players who were not protected, who these teams may still have their rights. And between now and camp, they may sign a letter of intent to sign back with that team. So well, they're, they're that, that's, still a possi- that's still a possibility, too, of adding players from last year back onto the roster. So they, they leave spots for them. They'll leave the yeah. You know. yeah, for sure. 
you know they will. There's no and, way and hopefully around they're it. in hopefully they're in contact with those players. They know what players are absolutely not coming back. They know what players are maybe on the fence. They know what players are coming back but maybe haven't signed for whatever reason yet or whatever the case may be. So they may have their list of of that as well from last year. You know, every year with these leagues, we see all this roster churn. And this year, you know what? We're going to see it. But guess what? The training camp is coming quick. So Mm -hmm. this roster churn is going to be faster. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of things going on uh, between now. Because training camp starts in on February, later in February, right? Third week of February? 24th, I want to say. Oh, wow. So that's that's like five or six weeks away from now. And this is really the first time, I know it's not the XFL anymore, but this is the first time in XFL history that you have teams coming back with players who've already played a season. So that's just, that's a very unique aspect. If you're someone like me, who's followed spring leagues, but, you know, basically the XFL, it's a unique experience to have a team, not only a team returning, but also players returning from that team for a second season with them. Cool, cool for the XFL. I know the USFL fans are listening to us saying, "Yeah, yeah." That's so what? That's so twenty twenty three. That's the last year for us. <laughs> and you know, you know what? That brings back to that whole thing. I mean, why did the XFL have to wait so long to get back on the field? Like they, they kind of dogged it, and they played that CFL thing, and they kind of played that deal. But if you look at what they tried to do with the CFL and merge. With the CD, they didn't call it a merger, but they were looking to merge. And why? Because they didn't want to compete with them. Now, last uh, last few month, months ago, I don't know when, Greg, Greg had a poll on XFL board at the time. It's UFL board now. And the poll said, when do you think that the USFL and XFL will merge? And the, the majority of people that answered the poll said, no, not this year, in the future, soon. But then, of course, boom. It has to happen now. Yeah. Why? Because you know what? I get that. They didn't want to compete forever. They were just beating each other down by competing. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get together. The disaster is half the players are going to lose their jobs. Half the coaches are going to lose their jobs. That's a disaster. That is. But they needed to do this. They felt they needed to do it sooner than later. So. Yeah. I- I think confidently we can all say we didn't see this coming so fast. I, I can. No. Yeah, for sure. I think I don't like it. I've, I've had multiple people that I interviewed prior to that, that September news drop or whenever it was exactly. And I would always ask them, Hey, when do you, what do you see of the future expansion of this league or, or the combination of two? And everybody was, yeah, down the road, we'll see this a few years later. We'll see that. Yeah. yeah. There was nobody that guessed this. Well, well part of it, Part of it, too, was, and, you know, this is her job, but Danny Garcia, if you remember, when she was doing the Media Rounds Championship Week, I mean, she was everywhere, prints and and video and all this kind of stuff, doing interviews leading up to the championship game. And, you know, she was honest in some ways about ways that the XFL needed to improve, but, you know, she was talking about expansion. (laughs) So that that doesn't give me, as someone who covers the league, the idea that, the XFL is in such dire straits that they need to merge with the USFL to survive. The fact that they're talking expansion means like they're, they're ready to go. They're ready to spend more money. And in fact, it was the opposite. They contracted, they lost four teams. So that was just kind of a, 
it's kind of bizarre to look back at that now. And it, it kind of felt like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Like mm-hmm. Danny Garcia and the rock were out doing media, thinking one thing and Redbird capital who was in charge of paying for all this stuff was looking at the books and thinking another thing. I don't know. That's just my speculation, but it well, certainly feels like exactly how it went. Right. Look at looking back mm-hmm. on it. Something was off there with that relationship. Now, Danny Gar- Garcia has, lo- has lost her team because she was, the Orlando yeah. Guardians was in her backyard. She was all in for that. Um, she lost her team, but it's like, you know, that's a story. The story of what happened and who said what and how it went down is a story that it'd be cool if we knew the answers. I think that would be a cool story to tell. Now, would I ever know the answer to that? No. Can I write about it? Probably not. <laughs> No one's going to tell you anything because they're all they all play the media. Like Danny Garcia is a media; she mastered the art of media relations. She knows that's been her job, and she's built an empire on that. Mm-hmm. She's not going to spill the beans, but there's beans there that could be spilled. I know it. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, a fan of beans. I like beans. You like yeah. beans? It's terrible. <laughs> I hate them. Magical fruit. You don't know, like some white beans now? A little corn I don't bread, like y'all. any Come kind on of now. beans. I don't like any kind of beans. <laughs> oh, oh. Come on down to Mississippi. I'll show you some good jelly beans. beans I promise. Jelly beans, star, right? If they're Starburst jelly beans, I like <laughs> there them. You but go. Most jelly beans, yeah. I, I don't Love have beans. any time for either. Especially in tacos. But I'm telling you, there's a story yeah, there that beans. that could be written about, and it could be the it could be the story of that would be great but will we know um probably not and you know the rock is the i guess he just does what he's told to do i mean he goes out and promotes and now i wonder if they're gonna talk about player 54 this year i wonder if they're gonna do that i think maybe that's Mm. dead i he was talking about it at one of the press uh deals uh uh, which one was it the the nfl i think the nfl one or was it the college day one i can't remember i can't remember either I think he'll bring it up, but I don't think it's going to be as much of a focus as it was for the XFL. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a talking point. But but think about what a focus that was, because they, they even sold jerseys with 54 yeah. in them. I mean, that was – I don't know how many people bought one, but uh. – All right, let's move on. I'm going to ask you guys a question, then I'll let you get off here if that's okay. Yeah. All right. Um, now, oh, before I move on, I want to note there are a vast amount – of unclaimed players available right now. There's a lot. And I tried to find a list, but there's not a, a compiled list. There's a team here that has these, these, these guys and teams there that don't have these guys. So I'm curious to see a list hopefully soon of, of who exactly they're picking from, from this phase two. And that'll be interesting. Well, you could estimate a list by the remainder, but I mean, are they all exactly? Are they all in? You have to look and see, are they here? Are they there? Did they come? You know, we don't know. I'm curious. Oh, interesting. So I I thought maybe you could go to the XFL rosters page and still find some information, but it looks like that redirects now to the UFL website. So, um, you know, it it will be interesting, you know, to see what kind of transparency the league has now. We, We remember that XFL in 2020, they announced everybody who was in the draft pool, right? They were very transparent about what players they were picking from, yeah. who was being picked, what round. XFL 2023 was not that way. They no. were very secretive about even like what rounds players were picking yep. for the rookie draft. Oh. And I think part of that we surmised was because 
they were protecting themselves against the competition, right? The USFL was out there ready to poach their players and they wanted to be as secretive about who was picked where as possible. So the USFL maybe couldn't use it as leverage to get some of those guys over. Now that the two leagues are working together and it's one league, the hope is there's a little more transparency in these player drafts and player procurement going forward. Hopefully. Like Hopefully. 20, you, like 2020, you just you just gave me a – wow, yeah. we had lots of information in 2020. It was crazy. Yeah. That's why I went ahead and clicked the next question because the 2020 is, is – we all relive that as, as our prime days, I feel like. That's when we all look back and it, it, good memories besides the shutdown. I didn't have any gray hair in my beard back then. I didn't even have a beard back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just an old grizzled guy. <laughs> Foosball fan said, how does the NFL futures deal work? Will that inhibit Tiamu's comeback? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm keeping track on uh, UFLboard.com. This is my fifth year doing it, actually. It, I'm keeping track of what players from practice squad sign futures contracts and what don't. That will allow us to see what players are available for uh, UFL teams to sign. Um, the way it works is basically if you sign a futures deal, you're locked in with that team until they release you um, as far as being on an NFL roster. Now, Jordan Tamo is not signed a futures deal, so he is a free agent right now. So he is eligible to come back to the UFL if the NFL if the NFL team offers him a futures deal, which I find highly unlikely. I'm sure he would sign it, but um, we saw Battlehawks head coach Anthony Beck to go on social media today and really try to reach out to those practice squad players and say, hey, don't sign a futures contract. Come to the UFL, get some playing time, put some time on tape for teams to see, and then you may be able to choose your destination. You may mm-hmm. be able to sign with a team as more than an afterthought. So uh, Coach Becht is working hard to bring those uh, practice squad players over to the uh, the NFL, but already a lot of them have signed futures deals, um, the ones that are uh, with teams that are out of the playoffs. So um, we'll see if that continues. We'll see how many of those players opt to uh, not sign futures deals and enter the UFL. Appreciate that insight because I do not know. So that's that's why I look for you, Greg. I look for your articles because they yes. really clear things up at points. Yeah. I'm serious. Thank I'm not. You. I'm not exaggerating. Like they really clear things up at certain degrees. Same thing with Mike Mitchell and Anthony. All those guys. So appreciate all your work in this realm, Greg, mm-hmm. Mark. Uh, appreciate My you pleasure. guys greatly. And that's about going to wrap us up for y'all's portion. Um, I'm going to talk with uh, RJ here, Bullish Brahma, get to know him a little bit more and and talk about his show. But I really appreciate you guys coming on tonight. It's Mm -hmm. always fun. You're always welcome. Don't I'm sure I'll see you in the next month or next two weeks, even maybe depending (laughs) on what drops. I mean, things have just shifted so much. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. And I've been trying to stay busy working on this brand and it's hard to keep up with the news sometimes due to doing tasks i mean it, yeah. it it really is so i appreciate you guys and your coverage of course thanks. happy to do it thanks matthew until next time my friends all right take Much care respect. I'll, I'll be putting all your stuff in the notes for people to find you but i'm sure they all know where to find both of you guys and and ufl board at this point awesome great thank you thank matthew you. and uh, bye rj go go brahmas Bye, Mark. Sports forward. There you go. (laughs) Take it easy, fellas. Thanks again.
Of course. Oh, look, I got rid of RJ. <laughs> there you are. It's my bad, dude. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> so we're going to get some one-on-one time now. Appreciate right. Greg and Mark again for coming on. Good conversation about the dispersal draft. You guys can check it out. Uh, it lasted about an hour and 40 minutes. So, you know, when, when I talk, we talked today, RJ, I told you it was going to be a 45-minute show. <laughs> 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 it's never that. Even when I try to compact it down as much as I can, it's never that. But it's okay. It's still enjoyable. Absolutely. Uh, you know, coming on, you're 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 helping the team. You're part of the team. You're a contributor for the Alternative Football Network. We've got a lot of partners, a lot of contributors, but really, I want to showcase you know the people that are are underneath and really doing some work. Uh, you yourself, you do a lot of promotion for the Brahmas. You do a lot of of updating on information. Your show is very unique. So I just wanted you to share more regarding the Brahma Bulletin. And first off, let's just find out about your background, man. Where are you from? What do you do? And what got you started in covering the Brahmas and the Gunslingers? All right. Well, thank you for having me on the, on the show. And thank you for uh, having me on the team as well, too. I greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you, um, sir. So, originally, uh, I'm from Minnesota. Um, I grew up there. Uh, I'm a Vikings fan, I'm a Timberwolves fan, Wild fan, Twins fan, uh, through the thick and thin. Still root for all my Minnesota teams, as bad as they are every single year, but still root for them. <laughs> uh, after that, I joined the Navy, and I did 20 years in the Navy, and I retired uh, back in 2016. And then after a year or so, I got a job down here in San Antonio. I've been here for going on seven years now, and I recently got married, uh, married Congrats. two years ago. So actually, our anniversary was just a couple months ago. So I consider San Antonio to be my home. Um, so uh, I'm trying to become more Puro, so any San Antonio knows what that means. <laughs> I don't know what you mean when you say that, so <laughs> I have to have a lesson in that one for well, sure. I'm still learning what that means myself, too. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about my background. Um, as far as getting into the, the Brahmas and the Gunslingers, uh, so the Brahmas, uh, I really got into it because I was looking for a team that I can call, like, a local team that I can call my own. Because I know I'm going to get a lot of hate from this, but I'll say it anyways. I don't like the Cowboys. I, I hate the Cowboys. I grew up hating the Cowboys. Unpopular I, Cowboy Texas country, opinion. So, yes, I know people are probably going to uh, to unsubscribe from my channel after that. But, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I was looking for like a local team that I could call my own. That team that's not going to conflict with the team that I grew up you know, cheering for. And then, lo and behold, XFL comes along and there's a San Antonio team. So, I all right, this is the team I'm going to embrace. It's my team. I can get behind it. I'm all for it. I'm diving in it 100%. And then, um, so my wife, she actually was a producer at ESPN for, for years. And so when the XFL announced that San Antonio was getting a team, I told her, it's like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if uh, I followed this? Because I had a dream about it. And she's like, yeah, why don't you try to uh, try to do it? So funny story 
is that the channel started off with me at work. It was during my lunch break. I was in the parking garage taking laps around. And then I just whipped up my cell phone. I did a selfie and I was just like recording myself. And I was just talking about the the team because it, it just they just announced the name of the team is the Brahmas. So I was just rambling on about the name. And I posted up on YouTube because I've never done a YouTube video and I wanted to see how hard it was. And then I was like, all right, I'll delete it later. And then I forgot all about it. And two weeks later, I was like, oh, snap, I forgot my video. So I go up there to delete it. And I had like a bunch of views and I already had like five subscribers. I'm like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. And so I told my wife about it and she's like, yeah, go ahead and uh, continue. So I continued and you look at some of my earlier videos, it's me at my work during my lunch break, just standing in front of my cell phone, just rambling on about whatever. And then, uh, and that kind of led to, led to me continuing on. And then I start seeing that my numbers were growing and the views were growing. I'm like, cool. So I just could kind of continue it on and fast forward here. Now I'm part of the, the illustrious and elite AFN uh, <laughs> team. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you my friend i'm showing your youtube right now to everybody at home guys check him out if you haven't you've got a pretty good following on youtube man 879 subscribers so that means that wow. your content is solid okay looking at that it, it's not a it's not a bad number at all you got me beat on youtube for sure um, I noticed your content as well in the season last year though and i watched it a few times i can say personally oh, thank and, you it was enjoyable because it's a real perspective. You know, you're not trying to be a character necessarily. You're not trying to do anything but be yourself and then talk about teams. So I, I feel like that's that's crucial. And it's the same thing with this show. Being a real person goes a long ways with people. People don't want fake individuals all the time. They want some real people. So uh, in terms of like your YouTube and stuff, do you what's what's kind of like your goals in covering, you know, the Brahmas? or the San Antonio gunslingers, how, how, how are you kind of gauging out what you want to accomplish with your show and your coverage? Well, first and foremost, I just want to spread my passion and love for both teams to as many people as I can. And I'd like to be a trusted source for news and information regarding both teams. Uh, not so much into rumors and speculation. I just like to, present the facts and stories and articles in pretty concise manner uh, most of my videos are usually like 15 to 20 minutes long because you know I, I know a lot of people don't like to sit through a, a very long lengthy rambling video so i try to keep it short and concise and uh, most of my formats is like in a vintage newspaper type of thing so it's kind of retro which is kind of in style these days uh, but yeah, so, so my goal is to spread my passion, uh, get to get the word out because XFL or the UFL now and the IFL are, are small niches. I mean, they're not as popular as the NFL, obviously the audience is not as big. And quite frankly, there's probably a lot of people here in San Antonio that don't even know that the Brahmas or the Gunslingers even exist. Yep. So I would just like to be a little small voice out there to try to reach as many people and have fun and be entertaining while I'm at it as well, too. And uh, thinking about some 
some changes making to the show. I got some ideas I would like to do for it. Uh, this is my first time being on a live stream. Uh, Welcome. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> well, thank you for having me and, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. So uh, I was thinking that maybe I might start doing some live stream myself on, on the show. Uh, maybe doing some like viewer interactions, uh, having them be out there to have their say, to speak their piece, to share their opinions. Uh, I see that the comments here are just uh, are doing really well. There's a lot yep. of comments in there, and so it's very engaging. And it's like, you know, maybe I'd like to try that with my show to have more interaction with the, the viewers and get more engagement. It's a lot more enjoyable, in my opinion. I did the pre-production like you did, which my show was longer. But, you know, those that, that first rendition of xfl 2023 we covered every week we did a show and i was much more stressed out doing that than doing this this i know i can jump on here and it's enjoyable and once you shake off like making a couple errors or saying a word wrong it really it doesn't matter anymore because like i told you we're all humans nobody's right. perfect nobody's the most intelligent person out there we all have flaws we all make mistakes but it's the fact that we can interact with the fans and kind of answer their questions, get to know more about them. It, you see a lot of the regulars when you, when you start doing this. And that's why I always say I appreciate it because I, I see, you know, I always have a steady stream of people that will at least give the content a chance. Yeah. But yeah, man, I think that'd be very productive for you. And, you know, you're always welcome to come back on, especially being a contributor, hopefully in the season, we can get you know you on to talk about the Brahmas as much as possible, and any any games or any summaries or anything you want to discuss. It, yeah, it's the that. platform for you as well. Yeah, I was thinking maybe doing um like a vent line type thing, where uh, after the game we can have uh, fans come on and voice their frustration for the one loss that we're going to have this year and all of our exuberant uh, adulation and uh, ecstasy for the nine wins that we're going to have and when we host the the hoist the ufl championship trophy we can have all the fans come out there and celebrate together did you attend that championship game last year i did actually i, I did uh, even though yeah my horse wasn't in the race i still went because first and foremost I'm a, I'm a fan of the league I was a big fan of the XFL. I supported all the teams. I watched every single game. Um, I went to every Brahmas game. I watched all their games. I went to watch parties. Uh, but I was just a fan of the league as a whole. And so I wanted to support it. And yeah, I was there at the Alamo Dome. I lived just a few blocks from the Alamo Dome. So yeah, I just went there. And I had a great time. It was a very enjoyable game. I thought it was a great atmosphere. And, Agreed. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I really loved the league. Yeah, yeah. And you speaking of how you got started in this, I think that's kind of how I got started as well. Just being a fan and, and really wanting to know more. Once I started finding out more, I really wanted to engage with everyone more. And that's kind of yeah. what led to, to doing this. I tell you, hopefully we can get you some media credentials next year. I think it should be good and, and get you in there as media and let you check that out. Really get a feel for that media side because – Man, it, it, I fell in love after that. My whole perspective of, of the game of football has changed since then, that, that whole XFL season. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would really be awesome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, in terms of, like you said, your future plans for your show, you're, you're looking at maybe adding a live stream. 
Is there any other changes or, or things that you may be updating in the future? Well, I was also thinking because last season during my videos, I did a pre-game, like a preview for each week. And at the end of it, I did um, I did my prediction segment. So I usually did like four predictions, two offensive predictions and two defensive predictions. And I gave a, a score prediction. And then I would keep track of all my predictions. And then after the game, I would go back and say, this is what I predicted. And this was the outcome. And I kept track of my record. And yeah, I was about 24% correct. So my predictions weren't all that good. But uh, I was thinking that perhaps doing that again this season, but also adding a live stream where I can have fans come in and have their predictions as well, too. And then I can keep track of like all the viewers' predictions. And then possibly at the end of the season, just randomly pick someone who scored better than I did and maybe give them like a gift, a $25 gift card or a $50 gift card or something like that as a, a thank you, as a token of my appreciation for all the, the fans out there and all the viewers who support my channel and, and obviously your channel as well, too. Just something to give back to those who take the time out to to watch these videos agreed and anything you need from me man you just ask you know how you've got direct contact to me the from from our our partnership or it's i look forward to what we can do together um we have a lot of different people amongst us as contributors there's i think there's eight now including me or nine including me um, but you're one of the shows that actually exist in that realm so I see me and you working together and, and I'm really looking forward to how you evolve in your show and then whatever you accomplish, man, just know that I'll support it and try my best to, to get it ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. No I'm problem. really excited for this. Um, you know, I'm just looking forward to football again, uh, especially in here in San Antonio. There was, you know, all those, the rumors and the, the merger news and, there was talk about maybe the teams going away and all that. It's just good to have all that behind us. And Agreed. Now we can start talking about football. We can start talking about the games and leave all that stuff behind. And I'm just really excited for it. And uh, just really, really can't wait for the season to start. Agreed. Same note. I'm I'm sick of the the rumors, the leaks, the the whatever. I mean, I I want to talk about game summaries. I want to talk about how DC defeated. I don't know. I don't want to say a team because everybody's gonna get pissed. But <laughs> um, I, that, that's kind of what I want to discuss, and and I, I look forward to that as well, man. I appreciate you taking the two hours tonight to come on as well. Originally, when we scheduled this, it was just supposed to be me and you talking basically talking about your show and more about you, it kind of evolved into what we have now, but I'll tell you, you'll learn from, from the live stream game. It's kind of, you have to let your fans kind of shape the show. Now they're not in control, but you really got to talk about what they want to talk about and try your best to facilitate that conversation. And that, that's really what I try to do by having experts like Mark and Greg come on and discuss things that I may not fully grasp or understand. Oh, right. Absolutely. But yeah, RJ, Bullish Brahma, I appreciate you again for coming on, man. Is there anything that you want to leave out with or tell the people at home? I'll have all his socials in the show notes. 
you'll see I had some flash in there at the bottom. They're on the bottom again. Um, but yeah, find this man, follow him. He's on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter slash X. Appreciate your work in this realm, RJ. Thank you. Thank you very much. And just to all the people out there, especially those in San Antonio, the big thing is go to the games. That's, Get your butt in the seats. The Get your butt in the seats, right? Yep. Support the team. Because that's how we're going to survive. Because I mean, I, and I get it. There's those that laugh and scoff and mock and ridicule spring football because we all know it has a very bad history. I mean, that one league starts and then two years later folds. Another one comes and then it folds. Another one halfway through it folds. So we get it, and we know San Antonio. Even though I'm not from San Antonio, I've done my research and I know that San Antonio has a very long history of failed football teams in this city. And so I, I get it. But to prevent all that, go to the games, get your butt in the seats, buy the merchandise, support it. And not just us, just the league as a whole. Watch all the games out there. You know, the viewership's going to get up. Then the revenue for the league's going to get up. And that's just going to make it stronger and thrive and stuff. So that's what we do. Just get to the games, guys. That's the big thing. That's all I really want. That's the whole purpose of my channel is to grow awareness and get people to the stadiums. Yes, sir. We like it, and I appreciate it. And I wanted to hit you with this before we left. Uh, Texas talking football. I'm guessing that's Jay. Um, he said, Puro, pure, like totally San Antonio. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so now we know. <laughs> That's why we have the partners and contributors, hey, though. I'm that... trying. Yeah, I'm not a native San Antonio. I've only been here seven years. Uh, I still have a lot of affiliation, and my heart still is in Minnesota a lot of times, but I'm trying to be Puro. Uh, I follow the Spurs. I root for the Spurs, except when they play the Timberwolves. Uh, I, I do watch the SAFC soccer teams. I go to the missions games. I, I watch them. I try to support all the local teams here. So I'm trying my best to, to be more San Antonian. <laughs> I think you do a good job, man. Keep representing and doing your thing. You got a lot of support from the people in the comments. Also, you got Brahma Babe, Rick 8-Bit, Texas Talking Football. I mean, these are all people that support you as well. So Thanks, keep guys. up the good work, man. And, and don't, don't don't get down over anything keep this it's going to be a good season and i think yes especially with this team approach we're going to have a good time oh yeah you know i'm glad that we could break you in tonight with this two-hour stream (laughs) (laughs) take some of the pressure off with some guys who actually know what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) but yeah man it's been a good time and i appreciate it again um, I'll share everything so they can find you easily and, and look forward to what you do, man. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, RJ. If there's anything you need, you reach out. Okay. Yes, sir. Have a good one, man. Thanks you again. Horns forward, baby. Horns forward. Horns forward. I will say it with you. Take it easy, my friend. <laughs> you too. All right. I was trying to wrap this thing up under two hours. Appreciate the bullish Brahma RJ for coming on tonight, as well as Mark and Greg. Uh, great times, great conversations. It It's fun. It, it really is enjoyable, especially when we have this relationship now that everybody kind of has their own place. Um, there will be some updates coming to the show. Uh, expect to see those next week. I've been working diligently on this stuff. I mean, 
all the time. I've been doing this for two weeks now. Uh, lots changing. I'll tell you, Thursday, we actually have an interview series that starts up, and it's through AFN. And we'll just be interviewing different football people amongst the whole realm of football, whether it's personalities, players, coaches, staff, whatever. So check that out Thursday at 2 p.m. Central special time. Typically, we're going to try to book it in the same 730 Central time. But this Thursday is 2 p.m. Central. Uh, it should be a good conversation. Uh, got Colin plays with Kaylee coming on. Kaylee is a, a media personality, a sports analyst slash host. She does a few different co-hosting and hosting projects, but she's really broken out in the sports world this this past year, two years ago. And so it, we're going to have a, a good time talking to her, <clears throat> get to know her a little more and see what she's about and then find out more about her show. What I've found in all, doing all this is I really want to have a platform where we're not dedicated to a league as well. Well, this this will stay th this podcast here will stay covering the UFL, no doubt. But we want to open our doors up to more individuals and more people. I've interviewed a lot of individuals this past year. Uh, I've interviewed a lot of players. Most were from IFL or, or smaller leagues. So I really want to give all those people that platform and the voice and the chance to speak and, and not be shadowed by something else. So looking forward to that. Check in Thursday. I should have the link up tomorrow with some more stuff dropping. I just don't want to drop everything without having it officially done. Uh, appreciate you watching tonight. If you made it for the full two hours, you are dedicated. And I look forward to talking to you guys more. If you need anything, if you have a comment, concern, you can message me, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I'm available. Reach out. Don't be shy. I'm here. Uh, I look forward to talking with fans. That's kind of what's been the front and center thing for me doing this. Started on Facebook and it kind of blew up on Facebook and then went from there. The largest audience we have now is from Facebook. So I appreciate you guys on Facebook for listening and watching. But uh, it, it's always a good time and, and I enjoy it. We actually just hit 7,000 followers on Facebook today. So that's that's a big goal, big, big streak. Shooting for 10,000 before the season starts. And I think we can do it. Once again, appreciate you all for watching, listening. Check in Thursday for another show on the 16th. I'll have a guest. Da, da, da. Hold on one second. I'm going to verify that date before I lie to you. Yes. The, so the 16th at 7.30 p.m., we'll have Luke Miller coming on. Luke does some coverage of the Birmingham Stallions. He's a correspondent for UFL Newsroom. So look forward to talking with him. We don't get as much USFL uh personalities on here so it's good that we can actually branch out and talk to someone else that is an expertise in this field so look forward to talking with you luke on the 16th that's it for me it's been a long one it's been a fun one like i said guys check out the site alternativefootballnetwork.com it's still being worked on i've been working really hard on it but hopefully we're getting to a good direction and uh, we're adding partners. I've got some more partners to announce, actually, for, for shows and coverage. Just haven't had a chance due to just busy, busy, busy. So appreciate you all again. Look forward to the changes. And thank you for watching, supporting, and listening. I am Matthew Tyler, and that's the end for me. Peace out. Much respect. Go Houston Roughnecks. Bye-bye. <laughs>